When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you on Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Live. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. A new commitment came down on Twitter moments ago from James Carney, the standout tight end from Norris. Kid's a good ball player, lifelong Nebraska fan, and he is smiling. We'll have more to the story on Nebraska securing another commit, the fifth in-state player for the 2021 class. Plenty of Scores to get around with you. Just a wild, wild weekend in the NFL. And uh, defense is optional in college football in 2020. Let's just say it right there. Uh, Thoughts from Nick Saban. Thoughts from Ed Orgeron on what's going on down at LSU. Will it be any different in the Big Ten? Or is everybody morphed into Big 12 mode? Schedules out for some Friday night games. Nebraska dodging that, but pretty interesting look uh, for Minnesota with their ability and the platform they'll have. Can join us. Numbers to get in 466-3776-4663776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, we'll check in with Greg Smith, Mr. Recruiting Man for Hale Varsity. Greg coming on in about 15 minutes. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Mondays with Charlie. It'll be awesome to talk with Coach McBride again. It's been a while, so we'll spend some time with him and uh, plenty of room for you today. So let's get into James Carney and just this process. Here's uh, audio from James Carney's Twitter and uh, his announcement. Pretty cool video as... Uh, uh, a guy who grew up going to Nebraska games with his family, got the offer from Frost, got told, hey, if you want to come to Nebraska, give me a shout back. And uh, that happened. And Nebraska able to get a top 60 tight end to go along with A.J. Rollins, to go along with Thomas Fedoni. Here's uh, Mr. Carney and his announcement. When I was a kid, I fell in love with the game of football. And my passion has grown ever since. I would like to thank God for the gifts, passion, and opportunity he has given me in my life. Also, my parents, Amy and David, everything that you've done throughout the recruiting process has been amazing, and thank you for always putting me before yourselves. I'd also like to thank my coaches and trainers that have pushed me to my limit to become a better athlete. Also, my teammates that I've been lucky to call my friends since kindergarten. I want to thank the Norse community for the support every Friday night. You guys packing the stands makes every game memorable. 
Lastly, I appreciate the universities that have recruited me and believed in me. That being said, I will be attending the University of Nebraska. Go Big Red. Good stuff from James Carney. Uh, pretty cool video. Had the Nebraska gear on. And uh, let's talk a little bit about his film. Greg Smith will jump in as well. And you look at the numbers this year, and Class B is balanced. Class B is loaded. Class B is a high-level uh set up for guys that want to go play college football. I just think uh, I think of the Elkhorn programs uh, from back in the day, a uh, Trevor Roach, uh, of course, a Jay Moore, a uh, Spencer Long. Uh, you have a lot of talent, uh, kids from Pius over the years when they were in B. I know they're in A now, but listen, you've got a program down at Norris that's playing high-level football, tremendous coaching staff. You've got the Scots of the world, of course, that are uh, winning titles. Scots Bluff, very good. Uh, so I'm not purposefully leaving people out in Class B, but I look at a, a product like like James Carney, and I look at a kid that, you know what? Think about being in his shoes and the work that's gone in, all right, from junior to senior year where you've got a Mac offer, and that's really cool. That's Division One football, and you have that offer. And you want bigger, right? You, you want to play for the school that's 25 minutes away from where you grew up, and you're good enough to get an offer, and you see how good a program K-State is. They're there for you. Pitt, uh, out of the ACC, is all over you. And, of course, Iowa, and they've put 11 tight ends to, in, into the NFL under uh, Captain Kirk's guidance, okay? And then you're Nebraska, and if you're Nebraska, it's an awesome problem to have with all this area-slash-in-state talent, specifically at tight end. And when you have that matchup, we talk about hybrid players all the time, and if you get a good one on defense— that can stop the run, get after the quarterback, and do a little coverage. Uh, that is gold for you. Uh, flip it around on offense, and what do you see in today's football? It's wide open, it's in space, and it's size, it's speed, it's that combination. And when you get a guy like James Carney, who's put the work in, and he does uh, his workouts with Warren Academy, Steve Warren, a friend of the show, obviously, and you've got so many kids that have been tutored, at such a high level that they uh, they get what they need to uh, to not only garner offers from Division One programs, but listen, it, it's probably not ideal for Nebraska to take a third tight end, but there are that many in the area. You can't not take an in-state kid, and you don't want to lose an in-state kid to an Iowa or a Kansas State. And this kid in James Carney can be a really good ball player for you. And you, you pair that with Fedoni, you pair that with Rollins, and you've got mismatches and size to block in the run game or flex them out and do work against uh, opposing defenses. And with Carney's work, the guy got over that 200-pound mark, the jump, right? The jump from November of last year to now. And he did that during a freaking pandemic, right? Where good luck finding weight rooms, <laughs> good, you know, good luck putting on bulk, 
uh, good luck improving your speed, and, and he did that. And he's now at 6'5", 220. Numbers through seven games, 24 catches, uh, almost 500 yards and seven touchdowns. So, and the, the other thing, too, is his, his 40 time. And, dude, I am the worst 40-yard dash guy in the state of Nebraska history, period, ever, end of discussion. Do you look at Darren Ravel whenever he runs his? You know, I, I look at, <laughs> at Darren running his, and uh, who's the dude from Michigan that's on the NFL Network? Uh, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen, yeah. Both those guys, bless their heart, because that footage not only never goes away, but there's a new piece of footage added, and it's for a great cause. It's for charity with what Rich Eisen does, his 44. But the point here is we got a 6'5", 220-pound Nebraska kid from Norris that put the work in not only to get noticed by a Mac school, but then some other name, Power 5 schools, and then he had to be patient, and that had to be really tough. I'm good enough to get an offer from Iowa. I'm good enough to get an offer from Kansas State. I'm good enough to get an offer from Pitt. Where's Nebraska at? And you just go ahead, and, and Scott Frost looked, made the evaluation, and uh, let me know. Give me a call back if you want to come to Nebraska, and what position do you want to play? Well, tight end, man. Let me play tight end. So some things that stick out on film, and I have, I have not had a chance to see Norris this year. Motsi has called a, a couple of games, but with, uh, with playoff season around the corner, I hope to – see Norris make make a deep run a uh, really good program again but Carney is is so nice at whether they're throwing kind of the the uh, the, the dreaded bubble <laughs> pass right uh, it's it's well blocked by Norris so Carney has made catches in that bubble situation or he's been on the end line and gone over the middle or he's flexed out or in the slot out of shotgun and his speed is just it's really, really high level for him to get past a defender. And then, listen, there's so much safety as a quarterback in knowing that you can throw a ball up and this guy's going to go make me, the quarterback, look good, or I'm going to put the ball on the money for him in a spot only he can go get it. And that's in traffic, that's in coverage, and that's magic in, in the red zone, right, where you can go find a 6'5 dude that can run, that's big enough to box out a little bit like he's working on an offensive rebound or clearing the way on a defensive rebound from a basketball standpoint, use his body and size, and then get the athleticism with that speed to get open and go up for a football. So no-brainer for Nebraska, and uh, it's all good to have as many tight ends as you want. I know Greg Smith will speak to that because that was always the sticking point. Elijah, do you take three tight ends – and honestly, if, if he's not from Norris and hasn't as wowed as much as he has, you probably don't take three tight ends. But you can't not take a kid this talented uh, in your own backyard. And you got two others that are kind of in your backyard with Rollins and Fedoni. Uh, it's just a blessing of riches at tight end. And you got two more kids that are looming for 2022 in the area. Yeah. Let's start seeing some uh, some double wing like the Patriots do on the goal line. Put all three tight ends in. Let's run the ball. <laughs> well, think about Andrew Luck at Stanford with Harbaugh. Mm. I mean, Ertz and company, when, when Stanford was good and they had Andrew Luck, you can do a lot of damage to people just going jumbo set with three tight ends. 
and they can smoke uh, that defensive line, and you can either run it in or you can cause all sorts of problems. We'll talk with Charlie McBride here coming up in a bit on just the, the headache that tight ends can be, not only in today's football, but also dealing with tight ends as much as Coach McBride had to during scrimmages uh, with Nebraska or the years that Oklahoma had a pretty good tight end as well named Keith Jackson mm. that would get open. Oklahoma would throw the ball four times a game and it'd be Keith Jackson uh, torching not just a, a, a good black shirt defense, but pick a defense in the Big 8. So tight ends are a key spot. They're uh, important, and uh, there's more usage wanted. And that's really kind of one of the areas, too, that I think Nebraska fans are excited about for 2020, right? When you have a guy like Stoll that's been part of the offense, you got Austin Allen that's super tall and very athletic, and, of course, Vokalek, right? I mean, he's a kid that transferred in from Rutgers. He's a really nice-sized guy. So the tight end room with Coach Beckton uh, getting more rich, with a guy like Carney, good for him. Well, I, I spoke with James earlier this morning, and uh, we will, as as you can imagine, he's practicing, and it's just been a, kind of a whirlwind. It's a busy day for him, so we'll have him on later on in the week. We're kind of shooting for a Wednesday, uh, kind of a, a a day for for James Carney to join us on the show. We'll see if that can happen. But congrats to him and his family. Nebraska yeah. kid making good, getting that Nebraska offer and that commitment. And, and just quick last little thought on Carney. I've been really impressed with his maturity through this process. You touched on that a little bit, uh, but he talked with Mitch Sherman of the Athletic, and one of the first lines in there from uh, from Mitch is that. Uh, Carney said, "I don't think that he Scott Frost wanted to go down the road where they offered me, and I went to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Which it, it just mature to be able to know. Oh." I'm not getting an offer right now because they know if I go to Iowa, it looks bad for them. It's the maturity of a kid to not know this isn't a personal slight against me. They want me here, but they're not going to send me that offer if I'm going to go elsewhere. That's just a, a little thing that just speaks, I think, to me, volumes about his oh, maturity. You, you mean bigger picture thinking? Yeah, to, to be able to, to zoom out and say this isn't all about me mm-hmm. and to say, yeah, they, they have their image to take, take care of too. And if I do want to go to Iowa and I do end up going to Iowa, they don't want to be in the boat where they've offered me and I've left. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a there is a lot of PR to this, right? Between who else was offering, uh, what position uh, is left. I mean, listen, you, you've got a, a number of kids in 2021. And I think you can really get a lot out of these three tight ends. We'll spend some time with that with Greg Smith here in about five minutes. Schedule Schedules released for the early part of Big Ten season. And uh, Wisconsin and Illinois going to kick things off on a Friday at 7. That'll be on BTN October 23rd. Uh, you're going to have a really nice showcase, not only for Nebraska, that we knew about Ohio State, Big Noon on Fox. But you're also with FS1, Penn State, Indiana, a bit of an intriguing kickoff. But I really like this, 6.30 under the lights in Gopherland with Harbaugh and Michigan visiting Coach Fleck. I think that's really cool. Minnesota will play uh, three straight Friday nights. They're playing October 30th as they go to Maryland. They're hosting Iowa Friday the 13th. And then they're also hosting Purdue on the 20th. So, all right, Fleck is all in with those Fridays. It's a good showcase. It'll be the game. A lot of high school football and it's not an issue in Minnesota, but a lot of high school football will be done by then. 
uh, with some of the playoffs, right? So you have Minnesota just saying, yep, give us Friday nights, and that's what they're doing. Nebraska and Iowa is the, the big story as they have secured Black Friday. Thank you, Bill Moose, for keeping Black Friday going. That was supposed to be Nebraska-Minnesota. But Nebraska will be at Iowa. That'll either be on Fox or that game will be on FS1. Still don't have a kickoff time. We all get that. But at least Nebraska will have that showcase opportunity in Iowa City. And uh, to be on Black Friday, a a really cool thing. So uh, the good news today for Nebraska, James Carney is in. Another commitment, another tight end, the 19th member of 2021. And Greg Smith will join us, uh, Hale Varsity and uh, Nebraska Recruiting Insider. That's next. We're great to be with you on a Monday with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! 35 minutes away, Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt, going to be with us on a Monday with Charlie. We welcome in Recruiting Insider with Hale Varsity. He's been tracking James Carney for a long time, and Nebraska gets another tight end for 2021. We first must check in with Greg Smith and make sure that cigar is gone. Greg, uh, how long did it take you to puff down on that victory cigar with your Lakers? <laughs> so it was not very long because um, those of you who listen to Lincoln know that we got like gale force winds last night. So that started like right as I went out there. Um, I, I just kind of wanted to sit on the balcony and enjoy the cigar, and then those winds started. So I made quick work of that thing. Uh, good luck lighting it, man. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an adventure. <laughs> hey, let me see a blowtorch real quick and see if I can't yeah. get this thing lit with 75-mile-per-hour winds, man. But uh, spend some time with us here on James Carney, the process. I know you've spent uh, time with James, and uh, a nice, nice get for Nebraska uh, the Norris program, super, super high level, and a kid that just kept working, Greg. Is that kind of the moral of the story here to get that Nebraska offer? Yeah, it really is. And I think that the more I've kind of reflected and thought about it through the weekend, um, the more I thought it really is a great example of, I think, what kids in the state that are hoping to put themselves in position to be, you know, heavily recruited by Nebraska around the state need to be able to do, um, which is basically he was told that he needed to get bigger and needed to get faster. Um, and he took that off season between his junior and senior year to really go to work and hone in on that um, and did a great job of it. He added 32 pounds um, in the offseason, went from a 5-140 to a 4-6, um, and also c- continued to work on his skills as a tight end. Um, he really did all the things necessary to put him in this position, and obviously it wasn't just Nebraska that ended up just looking at him here in the end. Nebraska was the last one to come in with the offer, um, but Kansas State, Iowa, Pitt, all good programs, and all good programs that have good success with tight ends as well. Um, they were all looking at him too. Um, he really is a great model for what what the, what type of hard work you need to put in um, to really get those Power Five looks. Greg, take us down the 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 waiting game and in your conversations with with Carney and knowing that the the folks at Nebraska like you do. Th- this wasn't even a, a a delay or even even a choice really to to make the offer to the kid in any other year 
Uh, it's just that Nebraska's growing tight ends uh, in in the eastern part of the state this year and next year. Is it, I mean that to me, it's just more about timing than anything as to to why this took so long. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, and, you know, it, it's interesting. This is where you get to be a little bit of a victim of, A, how good Thomas Bedoni was because he was a no, no-brainer no slam dunk. You have to take him if he wants to be a part of it, right? Um, and then when you think about A.J. Rollins as well, like he was a guy that they identified early. Like he showed that potential early um, well over a year ago when he got that offer, uh, his initial offer from Nebraska. And at the time that A.J. Rollins got his offer, remember, Carney was a lot smaller, um, he was a lot slower. He was not on the radar at, at that point. He just kept chopping wood. Um, but the thing that Nebraska did, though, is that they kept in contact with him. That's the thing that, that really, I think, pushed this thing forward. And kind of the biggest thing um, that Carney told me was that relationships were one of the big three factors for him and what in his decision to pick Nebraska because Sean Beckton and those guys, Barrett Root as well, really kept in contact with him throughout this um, period. They were really honest about where they were in the process um, and trying to work the numbers out as well. I think that paid dividends for them as well. So Nebraska's recruiting approach helped here, um, but it was definitely a long waiting game um, that was more so to do with the circumstance than it was to do with Carney's talent. Greg Smith is with us. We're talking the James Carney commitment for Nebraska tight end, the talent out of Norris on Hale Varsity Radio. So, Greg, what what skill do you like best? What attribute do you like best about Carney? And let's Let's kind of pay this forward with uh, what what could translate to Big Ten football for him. Yeah, so what will be interesting for me with him going forward is, is as he continued to get bigger, he also got more explosive. So if he continues that track, and, and that kind of tells you at this point he's just scratching the surface of his potential, I think as a stretch-the-field tight end, he's a really intriguing prospect. Um, as a kid that ran a, an electronic 4-6-40 at the Warren Academy Showcase over the summer, um, and he's, he's got good um, – catching skills as well as you saw maybe a juggling catch that you saw from the senior night this past Friday um, that was the highlight was kind of going around Twitter um, he's a good receiving threat uh, moving forward which makes him a really interesting matchup problem uh, with this tight end especially the way that they would like to use them kind of isolating them in space um, in this spread attack Greg on the flip side what does James need to work on before he gets to Nebraska what, what, what is he not college ready in uh, what parts of his game I guess I should ask are you uh, punched up? I am now. Okay. So that was one hell of a question by Elijah Gregg. You didn't hear it, so he's going to repeat it. Okay, go for it. Greg, I was just going to ask, what, what parts of James's game does he need to work on before he arrives on campus? Like, what, what is he not 100% college ready in? Uh, and I know it's probably a couple of things, but what, what's the, the main things he needs to work on? Oh, I think the, the number one thing is, is anytime you, you're a receiving threat at tight end in high school that has added weight, you're going to need to work on your run blocking, right? Like he's going to have to um, continue to configure that and, and work that out, um, continue to get stronger along with that, and that kind of goes hand in hand. Um, but I think that that's going to be a big thing, and I don't think he's unwilling to do it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he'll definitely come in and work at it, but he's going to have to be um, a better inline blocker as good as he is as a receiver. Greg, let's uh, project out tight ends, not only the the room in 2020, but beyond for Nebraska. And give me some some thoughts and usage to to use two to three tight ends at the same time. I remember Stanford and Andrew Luck doing it. I remember, 
you know, Oregon and, and Coach Barnett touched on just this just dude Oregon had that it didn't end up staying with the team, and I forget his name, but he was just a – he just worked out. I mean, just was a, a matchup nightmare for – for anyone playing Oregon uh, when Scott was there. And and then even in Central Florida, you, you had bigger wide receivers and some tight ends do work. So I love the mismatch opportunity because, you know, for, for years it was hybrid guys making plays on defense. You've seen the pendulum pendulum come back the other way, and it's now you know good luck trying to stop offenses. And, and Carney's a matchup issue. Fedoni's a matchup issue. Rollins all three guys project to be matchup issues. How do you get those guys on the field at the same time schematically? Yeah, I think it, it can get really interesting because if you have guys, and that that's why the speed factor, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with Fedoni and with Carney, I think that you'll continue to get that more with Rollins. He'll get better at that, um, but he's more of an H-back in-line kind of a guy yeah. at this point. But I think that uh, Carney and Fedoni being as quick and fast as they are, but also having the body control that they do, you can line them up anywhere, right? Um, and that ends up really presenting some interesting things you know, Scott's a great offensive mind. He can move those guys around. And then when you start to add in, you know, players like Wandale and guys like that, that will probably always be in this offense, those kind of smaller, quicker guys to mix in with some of the other body types that they're now starting to shift to a wide receiver. That's how things begin to get fun within the passing game for Nebraska because you just have a plethora of options that you can move around and have different chess pieces out there. Greg, uh, going to wrap with this as you look at, it, the football season that's you know less than two weeks away now it's a trip to Ohio State how are you feeling as you uh, have been able to to sift through and uh, and look at this Nebraska football team as we gear closer to Columbus where where are you at with this team and uh, we know the schedule is a schedule but how are you feeling about the big red as kickoff looms yeah, the the closer we get, I, I'm I'm very intrigued by how fast the offensive line can start. Like I think that that's the one thing to me that really will set the tone for that offense because we think, um, and I think that Greg Austin hopes that that offensive line is really good this year. I think they have all the pieces to do it. And how can that then ease kind of your your transition period, um, breaking into new wide receivers, just kind of smoothing things out timing wise? If you got the big uglies, um, just knocking guys back up front that can help you out. And then kind of the flip side of that, too, on the defense is that defensive line, um, how can they do with some of these kind of new emerging guys blended in with guys who have played a lot of football but haven't been in that number one role uh, here at Nebraska? I think the the trenches for Nebraska is where where my focus is starting to really settle in at. Greg, kind of promote what you're doing now. you got a podcast. You're really talented on air and got a really good linebacker helping you. I do. So, uh, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast, uh, which will be coming out every Tuesday with myself and Jay Foreman. Uh, we recorded a pod earlier this morning. It, it will surprise no one that there was a lot of Laker talk. Um, I, I, I think I may have even shouted out the quote haters. Um, so, so, we'll see how that goes. But, it, but it's a great time, and Jay's really good. He gave great insight into that Dak Prescott injury and what the, like teammates would be thinking. He actually had that same injury as well. Um, so, it was a really good lesson from this week that'll be hitting tomorrow morning what's his uh what's his feel on that front seven 
Oh, I, I think he likes the defensive line a lot. Like he, guys like Casey Rogers, Ty Robinson. Like he, he's a big fan of those guys. He likes the inside linebackers with Honus um, and Colin Miller. I think everybody. He's like a lot of people. The outside linebackers um, are, are where they kind of got to prove it to see if we get some improvement there um, and get production there. Then you can end up really changing the look of that defense. That it is, and uh, you know that's that's the the million dollar question. Anybody going to make it happen on the outside and, and what do you get from, from quarterback play but I think we're all buying stock uh, in Nebraska's offensive line I think we're happy with our stock and going to see it explode with, with Mills at running back yep. and just waiting on some, some receiver certainty aren't we? <laughs> yes, that 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 is the other kind of we talk about outside linebacker, and we will continue to deem it receiver certainty at this point. Are the, are the two big things I think that that are looming, and we may hopefully we get some clarity. We hear from Frost at some point this week. Yep, tomorrow uh, Frosty will be doing his uh, his Zoom meeting. So, Greg Smith, catch his work on James Carney, and great insight on recruiting. Uh, can subscribe and, and bundle it up, get the magazine and the website and the premium content with HaleVarsity.com uh, and magazine. Uh, get a subscription today. The price point is phenomenal. And uh, catch Greg Smith on Twitter at GregSmithHV. It's where you follow him. Greg, be good. We uh, may run you down later in the week. Thanks for the time again. Hey, have a good week, guys. Appreciate it. There he is, Greg Smith uh, with us. And good thoughts on James Carney. Nice piece. And uh, one-on-one with James Carney, the Norris tight end that's uh, now in for Nebraska 2021. We'll dive into uh, what's been on that side of the milk carton so far this year in college football. That is defense. And the Pirate sounds off on his team, and it only took three weeks. Hell Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. About an hour away, we'll hit some NFL, the weekend in review. Tough one for the Chiefs, brutal for Dak, and uh, Chucky's getting it done in Vegas. Not really that shocked. I'm, I'm shocked that it's gone this well so far for them. But uh, let's focus on some college football and Bruce Feldman tweeting this out. And all you had to do is just sit back and watch the video game that was Ole Miss and Alabama and realize it ain't your your older brother's SEC anymore where it's 13-7 to 7 and that's your winner. Uh, it might be 13-7 to, to 7 after three minutes of play <laughs> in in the first quarter. But Bruce Feldman, crazy how much offense is in the game has changed. The SEC West now has four teams averaging over 370 yards of passing per game. You have to go back to, to four years in the Big 12 to find an offense or a, a division that has done that. And... Uh, We'll hear from the Pirate here in just a moment. But but here's your scores from Saturday. A&M in a shootout over Florida, 41-38. Mac Brown in Carolina, 56-45. Of course, uh, LSU uh, losing to Mizzou, 45-41. Four, four overtime thriller. Uh, old Dean Blevins really undersold them Sooners to us on on Friday. Well, I don't know, Schmidt. I don't think the Sooners got much of a chance. 
think Texas by a couple of touchdowns. And Texas rallied uh, with like 11 seconds left to, to make up a two-touchdown deficit and credit to Oklahoma coming back. I don't know that I like Sam Ellinger throwing 60-plus times with almost 40 completions and not having a 300-yard game, but that's just me when we talk about yards per attempt. Uh, 53-45 uh, OU over Texas. Uh, Clemson smoked uh, Miami. But this was the game. It's not uncommon for, for Bama to put up a half a hundred plus a couple, couple of touchdowns on on anybody. But for them to half, for them to have to do it, where their running back goes for two bills, where Mac throws for 400, and that kid looks great. Mac Jones looks incredible at quarterback. They got to score 63 on the road at night to outlast Lane Kiffin. Here's Nick Saban on signals, and it wasn't really an excuse, but it was more of a compliment to to Lane about, man, they always had an answer for for Alabama defensively. Most people don't have an answer for Alabama and what they want to do defensively. We struggled. We didn't do anything well, um, didn't stop the run, um, gave up some big plays in the back end, um, got picked. Um, you know, so didn't couldn't get the quarterback on the ground when we needed to, even when we got some pressure. Uh, we had some mistakes in coverage. We got picked in coverage. Um, you know, we just didn't play very well. It seemed like everything we did, though, they had an answer for. I don't know if they had our signals or what, but um, yes, I'm, I'm not that. That's not anything unusual. Um, but, you know, it seemed like every time we called something, they had the best play that they could have against it. So, Saban, pretty matter of fact, take two drinks because of, of him saying picking. That's, that's a, a statement to the SEC officiating office about what was going on. Lane Kiffin, man, he's been on fire before as a play caller. He's got a quarterback and some wideouts and a tight end. That can really ball. Now, this is the other side of things when we look at our friend, the pirate, Mike Leach. And he's uh, he's not happy. He's not happy with turnovers. The pirate's not happy with uh, just catching the football. He really isn't happy about protection. And the thing that he's least happy with is the fact that they scored two points. Two. Two points, Kentucky good defensively under Stoops, just enough offense, uh, 24-2. to two. But this is a far cry from opening weekend where uh, Mississippi State shocked the world. And, and Coach Barnett's laid this out. He has said it multiple times on Costello, either killing you or making you believe he can, he can be a, an every Saturday winner for you. Here's a pirate. He went off. We'll have to go back and uh, take a look and see. You know, we're going to have to watch the film and see and and kind of uh, evaluate that. I think we're going to have to kind of check some of our group and figure out who really wants to play the, the play here because, you know, um, any malcontents, we're going to have to purge a couple of those. We didn't play together at all. I mean, uh, and you can really say all phase. And, you know, and we've got to figure out a way to clean that up. Um 
<clears throat> their, uh, their three guys up front can, can uh, consistently beat our five. Um, our receivers did not consistently catch the ball. We were able to get open, but we didn't consistently catch the ball. So this is about the time of year, and this has happened at Tech, this has happened at Washington State, and it's now happened at Mississippi State. And by about week three, whether you're 3-0 and or 1-2 and or 0-3 or 2-1, or and uh, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road for the Pirate. And this is the time of, time of season he gloves come off. And not by name, but you are called out as a football team. And if you, if you go back, he's going to have to look at the quarterback situation. That, that was the first comment you heard because Costello's thrown. I would be surprised if he's not in the top three and maybe maybe alone when it comes to pick sixes. Okay. Through a pick six uh, in their loss last week, through a pick six, that was LSU's opening score, was an interception return for a touchdown. And it did not go well. I mean, four interceptions, no touchdowns for Costello. And our adopted team till Big Ten football season kicks off Mississippi State, but the uh, the malcontents and purging, I'm here for that because uh, if if Leach is going to purge you, it will not be a nice conversation. He has had enough, and he has put his team on notice. Yeah, what a perfect team for us to pick after the past three years of Husker football. <laughs> we get more uh, more coach calling out the players. More we don't know about the effort. Who wants to be here? This couldn't be more perfect. We're used to talking about this. <laughs> Terry Wilson completed eight passes. He was eight for 20 and threw for 73 yards. Wilson led the team for Kentucky, 13 carries, 50 yards. The leading receiver for Kentucky had 22 yards off of two receptions. I mean, ugh. that is that is rough. Oh, okay. Uh, a, a third pick six in as many weeks for Costello. And part of me is like, you, you got a guy returning that ran for over a thousand yards last year. And I know it's that's not the Mike Leach offense. That's not the Mike Leach way, but he's getting like, what, four or five carries a game? He carried it seven times. But Kalen Hill is, he's getting, I mean, they're throwing the ball to him out of the back today. He have 15 catches. Yeah, but you, you think they, they could... I mean, it's just not the leech offense. But whenever you have a guy who ran for over a thousand yards, you'd think you'd find a way to just hand him the ball. No, I know you're good at what you emphasize, and I mean the air raids going to run it a handful of times, but they're going to try and get that that running back on a linebacker. We'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. What final time this hour? We're 10 minutes away from Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. His take on defenses in college football. We'll head down to Baton Rouge. Some thoughts on Ed Orgeron's comments about Bo Pelini uh, in the press conference today. Reminder about moving in 2020 and your friends at West Blue Realty. They are the real estate professionals that are there to help. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities, and they can make 2020 less painful, specifically if you're moving. And for a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity and West Blue Realty going to provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a shout. 
Tom can help at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, Kelly's fantastic as well at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com is where you log on and go see them. Just beautiful office down there at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. And uh, if we're talking about West Blue, do you have agricultural land you're looking to sell? They specialize in helping that be less of a headache for you as well. West Blue is experienced in selling ag land, and they've got an auctioneer. They can handle anything from live auctions to sealed bids to general land listings and They've sold land in different parts of the great state of Nebraska. They can help you out a large radius. They're comfortable with that. Seward, Oto, Lancaster County. Log on, westbluerealty.com. How much football did you catch yesterday? Almost all of it. Almost all of it. So you started with what? Uh, I started with the noon game, Chiefs mm-hmm. versus uh, Vegas. Ra- yeah, Raiders. Good catch. Uh, that was a uh, that was a close one. <laughs> I almost it was good at half. Uh do you know yeah. you, you got to know a Raider fan, don't you? Do you have any buddies that grew up being Raider fans? I avoided the kids that grew up being Raider fans, right? Because they <laughs> would want your lunch money and asked if you had a lighter. Yeah, they'd probably shank me in the locker room too. <laughs> so I know three or four buddies that are Raider fans, and it's hilarious because they're they're good dudes. They're high level professionals. They're the best people to hang out with, but they'll show up occasionally. With uh, with either that silver or black hooded sweatshirt on. And, I mean, we all loved Bo Jackson. We put up with him playing for the Raiders. Marcus Allen was a good time. I liked Howie Long. Todd Marinovich, whatever. <laughs> Bright orange hair. A lefty, lefty, lefty. Listen, we all knew the Raider fan. Either we ran with or you stayed away from. But they are they are smiling, and Gruden's awesome. Gruden's put on about fifteen or twenty lbs from COVID, and he just looks so appropriate with that Vegas hat pulled down. He's got the black on, and he's got the gator that almost kind of looks like a, well, it's a bandana that he'd pull over his nose if he's going to go shake somebody at Seven Eleven down. Don't do that. But that's that's his image on the sideline, and he's got that. Even though you can't see his his face nose down, you can see his eyes squinting and scowling, and I can just imagine some of the language into the headset. But don't kid yourself, man. Uh, credit a couple of Huskers for flipping that team around, and I know, I know that that Richie Incognito's dinged right now, but he was a must get. For Gruden on the offensive line, Malik Collins, a must-get, and Malik's playing really good football, and David Carr's not imploded yet. That was shocking. Hour two coming up, Charlie McBride's on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It's that time again. And we welcome in Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Mondays with Charlie. 
and uh, plenty to get into with him. Coach, how are we doing today? Good. We just had what you had. We got a 50-mile-an-hour windstorm. <laughs> Blew everything down. Well, I, uh, I was checking out the backyard when I got home earlier this morning. And uh, some of our trees are everywhere. I had a plant that was kind of set up to get some sun. I think one of the dogs decided to take that thing down. So uh, that happened. And then we got a couple of pine trees that are, uh, are in the old fetal position. <laughs> so we got rocked a little bit. But you guys got some of that wind, it sounds like. Well, sometimes that one gets rid of a lot of things you don't want around anyway. <laughs> well, there there are too many lawn ornaments and wind chimes that my wife has that somehow survived. So, well, it, you know, one thing is is though you know women like that kind of stuff, and it, that's what usually happens. You get in the storm, and they're all over the place. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they get recouped and put back up. Yeah, I know what you're saying. A uh, lot to get into. I want to get your thoughts, though. Uh, it, it was official. We don't have a kickoff time yet, but uh, Nebraska and Iowa will hook up again for another Black Friday. I know that got shifted around uh, for Minnesota. That was That's how it was supposed to be this year, pre-pandemic. But Nebraska and Iowa will play the 27th of November. What's your reaction to that? And is that something you think uh, you like Nebraska, specifically the AD making it a priority to kind of capture that Nebraska-Iowa uh, showdown there on Black Friday? Well, I think it's a good week. It's a good weekend for you know for the Nebraska people. I mean, is is it away again? Like they had it in the schedule? It's in Iowa. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> they're getting used to playing over there. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, in their pink locker room. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know the thing is, is with that, I think it's you know once you set a tradition, it's nice to keep it. You know, it's it. You know, if that's going to be the rival, which I'm sure it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I would think so. And and um, you know that. To me, that's a good. If they have it on that day, that's 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 good. I mean, it it's part of the part of the tradition. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie. Thoughts on uh, Black Friday, Nebraska, Iowa. You guys took on Iowa a few times. You, you've mentioned the pink locker room, and uh, it's it's at a point in the season where you know Nebraska's been trying to to kind of hone in and. And get a win over Iowa. They've been close the last couple of years. They haven't beaten Iowa since 2014. Of course, Wisconsin's week two. And one thing that, that Iowa has had and Wisconsin has had defensively is, is guys that can get after the quarterback coach. As you look at this season, this year for, for Coach Frost and specifically the defense, take us through a little bit how you were able to recruit and develop pass rushers because you always had guys that were fast and tough off the edge and and that's going to be a big position to watch coach that outside linebacker spot for Nebraska to get uh, get after a quarterback or two this year well one thing is is you always talk to the players about the individual their individual players and if there's anything that you see 
Uh, now, usually on Monday, they started looking, they see the way we had it, they saw our film, and then mm-hmm. they really didn't see anything till Tuesday. And they didn't have anything on their computers or any of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff like they do in, you know, some places now. But anyway, I think you talk to them about what you see on the film. Mm-hmm. A lot of change in the footwork, especially, you know, and then uh, being able to tell the difference in, a, you know, a drop-back pass or a screen or a draw. Mm-hmm. And they, usually the footwork is completely different. I think you'll find out a lot of guys, especially with guys playing over the tackle, they'll set their shoulders to the outside, I mean, quick, perpendicular to the line, and they'll go back and for, try to force you to go outside. And uh, unless there's a stun on or something, mm-hmm. and they can get in trouble by doing that that way. <clears throat> but, you know, you look, and, and then you try to find a guy that's giving it away, you know, that's giving the stuff away, and, and you can really tee off. Um, of course, I, I had a philosophy a little bit of that every plays a pass and play the run on the way to the quarterback. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> good. Know? Yeah, well, you just get off the ball and make something happen and and follow. You have to stay with your responsibilities, so that's the biggest thing. And especially if you're a gap defense, you know, and you have a gap to play, that that's your baby. And you never leave that place until you're guaranteed that it, then nobody's going to go in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because other people have the gap next to you and so on and so forth, and you want to do what you can to squeeze that gap and uh, to make the guy bounce to you and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. It sounds pretty simple, but it really isn't. Um, <clears throat> but I think the thing is, is right off the bat, I mean, you you come high, Yaka. I mean, that first part of that game, when you let them know who's boss. And and that's a big thing, I think, in a lot of, a lot of times. Uh, you know, you had a game like we go into Ohio State or something like that where, you know, in the back of their minds, they're going to win. That's what they think, and and they lose lose a little bit of something. In the back of our guys' minds, they get there's something to prove. So I mean, it all starts with the first snap, and the first snap, I mean, you ought to really rip and tear, you know. And and it's important that they say, oh, oh, here we go, we got something going here today, and and make them, you know, make them play. And uh, I've always said, you know, you play against the team that. Maybe it's better than you are. Maybe. Um, just every play is important. It, you play as hard as you can and let the score take care of itself. It, it, you don't worry about mistakes. you got to go. And, um, you know, I think that, that that's one thing, I think, especially defensively. Um, you know, you can't sit around and, oh, I made a mistake or I did this and it cost 20 yards or it cost a touchdown or whatever it is. It's over. It's over. You got to, you know, you got to get your head screwed back on and get ready to go. But you know, once that hand goes on the ground, your motor's going and you're ready to roll. And, and that, it's really important, I think, that every kid focuses on every play, not just some every play, because about the one you don't is the one you're going to get your rear end handed to you. Charlie McBride's with us. We're talking pass rush, outside linebackers, defensive ends, and the need to get after the quarterback and also stop that run. Your advice is 
is fantastic. Well, think, it's a it's a pass yeah. play, and if it's a run, just get him on the way to the quarterback, right? <laughs> That's right. But in practice wise, you know, you spend a lot of time with. You know, when I first get kids alone, I teach them as many different moves as I can, and then they they can't use all that stuff. I mean, but they can find one of those that they like, and they can work on it and work on it and work on it. And then as long as you have one-on-one pass rush every week and make it live, and you're you're working on it and you're going against the offensive line. And and then in the, in the preseason, which we don't have, we would, when things got really, you know, when they were breaking down, they were tired, they were hurting, but we just pair them up and, and then uh, talk to each other. I mean, show a guy what you're doing on this move and so that he can find a way to prevent it if somebody uses it and and just work together with each other and the offensive line work on their footwork and stuff like that. It's not live. It's just, you know, it may even be without anything except helmets, but you can do that and um, just start from scratch. But, you know, try to get them to, to, to find something they really enjoy doing. And, um, you know, and you have to have a, a counter off of it and then maybe just a power rush, but you don't want to spend the time on everything. Mm. Coach, what do you make of all these points being scored? Did you watch a lot of football on Saturday? Holy moly. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I'm not a defensive coordinator anymore. Holy <laughs> smokes. I mean, they're they're just smoking that. Well, I mean, it's the offenses, and they're, they're doing so many things that, you know, with motions and shifts and stuff like that. And, again, when, when you're looking at Oklahoma, say, or – LSU, for example, get beat. the young guys in the secondary. I mean, this, they just started this season out. Some of them have never been in on a snap till the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy because the thing is they're all worried about making a mistake. They're all worried about you can't you just can't do that. You got to just you got to play. I mean, you have to be confident in what you're doing. But I think there's a certain point where you you know you've got to use your athletic ability and show people what you're made of. Well, I look at Alabama. I mean, I watched that thing, and that was a, was a pinball machine with, with Saban scoring 63 <laughs> points, but they had to because old Lane Kiffin's offense was, what was it, 63-45, something like that? 63-48. Yeah, yeah, 48. But that's almost half a hundred, and – Nick said after the game that they might have had our signals and they were running a bunch of rub routes. Did you ever uh, lose it with teams picking your your secondary? Well, yeah, they do that. Most of the time then, now it's more than ever. Now they're doing it on normal down and distances. (laughs) They're doing it in the secondary, deeper. Uh Most of the time was in the red zone. Sure. You know, we're most concerned about it. Now it's getting to be... Um, you know, a sophisticated thing, although I did see um, yesterday, I watched a little bit of the pro thing, and I saw two penalties on guys, picking guys, in, you know, and they caught them, and they're, they're starting to call it more. So, and that may happen in, in college, too, but, you know, you're, you're, you have officials in college that are just like kids. They're just starting out, too. And some of them are afraid to get the flag out of their pocket. Well, and we'll get into a little bit more with Ed Orgeron and Bo Pelini, but 
you know, Bo goes in and folks were not happy with his defense after the uh, the Mississippi State loss at 96 points in three games. Folks are all over Bo and LSU, and there's a lot of talent down there, but, man, you're right. A lot of these kids hadn't played at that level before. Well, that's what I'm saying. He came in with a bunch of young kids. They had, you got to remember, they had 11 or 12 guys drafted last year. That's like – Half of you know your team almost that you know as you you know that are starters and good players and so now you got to bring guys off the bench that maybe played a little bit but you know they weren't there yet and I I I think they're going to get better I mean that you know I I don't think LSU is going to stay like that I think that you know and, and it's Bo's first year and they're changing their defense from what they had before and it's a hold. It's a whole new situation for for them, and you know it may be that the kids that were there last year remember what they had to learn last year, and now this year it's different. Well, that's so, that's my question, you know, that, Coach. Is how how big of a mess is it to go from? And you know Aranda pretty well because he was at Wisconsin. Um, how big a mess is it to go from a three four to a bow four three? What he wants to run. Well, the four going, it's easier to go to the four three, I think, than it is to go to the, go to the other, okay. go to the three four. You know, um, I just think you know it just it kind of it fits in a little better, especially with I think your zone blitzes and things that you might put in. You know, where guys are dropping, uh, guys that usually rush would be dropping, and simple as that, and you're playing zone behind it and. You know, you might, you know, uh, change it up, but that's that. Those, you know, those things are, you know, what's hard, and you may be trying to do too much, mm-hmm. and and that may be part of the problem too. And yet, you know, once once they, if they're not confident, one mistake's going to cost you, and and one and sometimes one big mistake. If you see a guy, I mean, I. Don't, Look at the NFL. These guys are getting paid a ton of money. And the other day, I turn it on, and there's guys running free. There's nobody near them. Mm-hmm. And so somebody made a mistake there. And when you do listen, if you listen to the thing, it was some rookie. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, Kansas City. If I was, I watched Kansas City a little bit. <clears throat> there's a corner named Ward. He made a name for himself getting beat so many times. And. Uh, you know that's the kind of stuff that happens, and he probably is a good player. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know you know whether he's a veteran or not. I, I don't remember you know ever hearing him, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, so it, there's so many variables when you have when you come into a program. I mean I think you experience some of that stuff here mm-hmm. uh, defensively, and um, you know the one thing is 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 when you get trying to do too much. If you've got coaches that think they're a bunch of rocket scientists, they better remember they got a bunch of kids that are not rocket scientists. Mm-hmm. And if they're not confident in what they're doing, they're not going to play full speed. Charlie I'll McBride, Mondays with Charlie. Coach, thanks so much for the note this week and your time as always, sir. We really love catching up with you and we'll be ready for football next week. How's that sound? That's good. Well, God bless you, and we're going to get my uniform ready. (laughs) (laughs) Get it ready, Coach. We'll talk soon. Thank you much.
Okay. Thanks for having me. Bye now. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. All right, always good to hear from Coach McBride. Mondays with Charlie. That'll be up on the ESPNLincoln.com, right under Hail Varsity, the on-demand section. And uh, parts of that will be posted as well on the Twitter you follow with ESPN Lincoln. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, open phones rest of the way for you. Busy Monday as we re- react to the NFL. Some more thoughts on the Chiefs and Raiders uh, with the NFL. Of course, uh, Dallas and Dak. So uh, that uh, more NFL here in about 15 minutes. We'll spend some time on college football now. And, you know, is there going to be an answer this year for defenses in college football? And the the short answer is maybe, right? Maybe, maybe there's there's an answer. But you look at the offseason, you look at the preseason or lack thereof, and it's been so helter-skelter for defenses. And Nebraska, I think, is doing it right with lots of contact, okay? Nebraska's been going live a lot, and we'll hear from Scott Frost at 11.30 tomorrow just on how practices are going, how the scrimmage went last Saturday or this weekend, what the quarterback race is like, you know, what's the the roster look like, all those good things here as we loom closer to uh, the Big Ten opener in Nebraska and Ohio State. But you really have got to kind of put your team through it and survive some bumps and bruises on top of the fact you hope guys are doing the right thing off the field from a COVID standpoint because you've got the first cancellation with the SEC, and that is Vanderbilt and Missouri. Uh, They are postponing that weekend matchup. So you need to be live. You need to be physical. You need to hit. You need to tackle all things that are super common sense that you get to do less and less of as a college football program or head coach. You just don't get to go live three days a week or two and a half days a week like T.O. used to. And you beat the hell out of one another and you had enough numbers to do so. So Saturday seemed air quote easy. Right now, you have Nick Saban allowing 48 points to Lane Kiffin. And Lane's offense and talent, they're going to score a lot of points. They weren't able to stop anybody. They're one and two on the season. But just as a reference point, if, if folks are throwing up 50 points and beyond in the SEC, uh, it's going to happen in the Pac-12. It's always been happening in the Big 12. And my question is, do you see outlandish point totals in two weeks, in 10 days, in the Big 10? Is, is Penn State and Indiana destined for a 45-41 shootout? Is Michigan-Minnesota going to be 35-31? You'd take that because that's on the lower end. It's not 63 to 48 like it was in the SEC Saturday night for the world to see. And you could almost hear Saban. You could see his eyes, not his mouth, with the mask. And it's a good thing the mask was on because he was chewing some A, as he'd like to say, with just the way things are going. But what's your confidence level like? How comfortable are you? And what's your rep been? Your reps, what have they been like for you on the defensive side of the ball? Have you been able to tag off? Have you been able to wrap up? Are you going full speed in practice to, to hit people 
And, it, you know, it sounds like Nebraska's doing what they can, all they can to go live. They'll need that. They will absolutely need that Saturday, a week from Saturday against Ohio State. Because Ohio State, man, is a team that's uh, loaded up with quarterback and skill people and uh, an offensive line. And, you know, if Nebraska is going to hang in a week from Saturday, it's going to be let's let's have a shootout in Columbus. Let's make this thing like 2018 where Ohio State doesn't have an answer offensively for Nebraska. Uh, that requires some things to happen. That requires your receiving core to be ready to go. And it requires your offensive line and Mills and your run game and whoever's playing quarterback, probably Adrian, to be uh, pretty much mistake-free and just gash a really talented program with lots of high-level guys that someday will be playing on Sundays. Uh, Nebraska's going to have to take over with that offensive line and run game. I know that's uh, an early obvious take on on the Ohio State matchup, but you know what? If you get into a score fest, that, that's a good thing. Uh, can you, if you're Nebraska, can you, if you're looking at this schedule and will – 2020 be this way in the Big Ten like it's been the rest of the college football programs and conferences that have been playing where there's been a ton of points. I don't know if we'll see it this year in 2020. Uh, definitely some schools I think are going to be scoring more points than they were last year. Nebraska is one of them. Uh, I even think Ohio State's going to be one of those teams that might be scoring more points than they were last year, which is going to be impressive for them to do. Uh, but when you just look at the coaches that are being hired by Big Ten schools, they're coming from offensive lineages. Scott Frost mm-hmm. was an offensive guy, offensive assistant all through his early coaching career. James Franklin was a quarterback back in college. He was a, an offensive assistant all through his lineage. Ryan Day was an offensive assistant through his lineage. Uh, am I missing? Kelly guy. Yeah, I mean, then you also have uh, Fleck. Fleck was an offensive guy mm-hmm. all the way through. It, it's the direction the Big Ten's moving. The, the schools are moving away from the guys who are the, the defensive geniuses, moving to the guys that are going to take their offense into the 21st century. Let's be straight. What, what constitutes a defensive genius now? I mean, it's you've seen Nebraska put up yards but not cash in on points against Wisconsin. Uh, points are, are are the new reality, and, and it's basketball on grass. It's getting guys in space. It's out scheming, and yeah, you're going to be able to 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 win games by shootout, and it's going to come down to situational football, not just in the Big Ten. And listen, man, the last few Penn State, Ohio State games is is loaded as those teams have been offensively. Or I should say defensively, they've been high-scoring affairs between Penn State and Ohio State. I mean, they've been 45-41, 38-35 type ball games. Let's go to the phones. One of my favorite callers, we say hi to Clyde. Clyde, welcome into Hale Varsity. Go ahead. How are you doing, Schmitty? Good, brother. What do you know? Oh, I mean, just listening to you talk about Ohio State, Nebraska. Can we score? Can we not score? I just think a win, and you could correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think a win for this Husker program is not getting beat by 21-plus points. You know, that's fair, and that sucks to look at it that way. But is it competitive? And let's define competitive. You can be 10 to 13 points trailing, but always at least trying to play catch-up versus a nuke is dropped on you, and it's let's go find a red beer at halftime like last year. Correct. 
I think I think that that has a possibility. And the, the sad part is, Schmitty, I think that the possibility of that happening has nothing to do with the talent, or excuse me, nothing to do with the effort or how much pride these boys will have as much as the talent-loaded roster that is Ohio State. And I'm afraid that they're not just going to do that to Nebraska, but they might do that to every team in the Big Ten this year because, one, they're going to have to play out of their minds to get into the college football playoff. And, two, they're going to have one of the best quarterbacks, if not, okay, I don't know if he's better than Trevor Lawrence, but one of the best quarterbacks in college football leading the helm. And, I mean, it's kind of like when you watch Bama's quarterback. He just throws in the general facility of those uh, wide receivers, and they go catch it. So, it just worries me that it's going to have nothing to do with the players wanting to win or how hard they play, but strictly just a talent outmatch. Now, you know what, Clyde? That is a, a right-on point because you can play your ass off and still get hammered. Correct. That's just that's – just, they're, they're that much better. Ohio State's that much better. Miami's that much deficit that far removed from Clemson. Right, I mean, it's just what it is, and look at, look how well Ole Miss played Saturday night, mm-hmm. and Bama's just all right. We're going to hand off, and and Najee is going to go for two bills on you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The, well, Bama's just that much better, and no fair points completely, Clyde. And the other thing too is, if you're a player on that team and and you play your butt off, and it's still a seventeen to twenty one point spread. Don't let it get you, get you discouraged uh, for for week two against Wisconsin. Right, and as a as a, a former player, I played. Did you just Clyde? Do we have you? That not creep into your mind as far as like, hey, that was a loss, but we've showed improvement, especially the first game of the year. I think that when it's the first game of the year and you go out there and you're like, hey, let's look at the silver linings of getting our teeth kicked in by Ohio State. That's really hard um, because it's really hard to focus on those. But mm-hmm. I think that if we can get out of that game competitively, I think we can go the first four games and go two and two. I think that that's a very likely scenario for the Huskers. It's a possibility. Don't want to drink the Kool-Aid too early. I've made the mistakes of doing that in the past as well. But I think we could go two and two out of the first four games. I give this team a chance to win five games this year. Love it. Clyde, you're awesome. We'll uh, have a virtual beer soon, my friend. Absolutely. Go Big Red, boys. There he is. That is Clyde joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. He's thinking two and two. And, yeah, that's uh, that's not uncommon where you can play your butt off and some teams just way, way better than you, and you're going to lose by two or three touchdowns. Now, if you're a Nebraska fan and that happens, what's your reaction like? Are you going to grumble? Or are you going to – you're so – locked in as as fans nebraska fans are brilliant you're smart you know the you know the game because you've seen nebraska do it to a lot of people and you can kind of look at something and call it like you see it they're just better and there were some years where oklahoma was just better there were some years where florida state was just better there were some years where miami was just better you may be going up against that same caliber of team uh coming up pete real quick joins us pete thanks for hanging on go ahead how you doing? Good, man. What do you know? Always talking about the lack of defense or the offense is kind of taking over. I think part of the problem is we don't, on defense, 
generally, you know, you don't play as much man-to-man. You don't have the lockdown corners like, like they used to play back in the day. I think if we see, you know, the defense catch up as far as the corners where they can play man-to-man, I think the defense will probably – uh, throttle the offenses a little bit better. You, you need that that difference maker, and we were talking about it earlier, uh, Pete. And that's you need the hybrid guy, right? That's got speed and size and can get off blocks. And I think of the Simmons kid with Clemson last year. I mean, the guy can play three different spots, and he's pretty much unblockable. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a, a fair point. Do you have lockdown guys? They exist, but you need uh, you got ten other guys to to help you out on defense and offenses right now are just ahead of things appreciate the phone call uh thanks for checking in pete can keep uh some phone calls rolling we're open till six here with hale varsity radio opens phones 466-377-6800-825-5865 the defenses have a chance at all in 2020 and now and now back to hale varsity radio Wind through a Monday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Some NFL thoughts here in a little bit. Last thought here on college football and if defenses have a chance in 2020, you'll see Bama get better. All right. I think Lane Kiffin's squad will probably win a handful of games this year and they'll score and outscore a lot of people. I think OU's coming around. That was a big uh, four overtime win for them. That's quite frankly embarrassing for Texas to to lose to a team that was reeling that's as young as, as they are. And uh, Coach Herman's maybe in a world of trouble. Let's go down to LSU for a little bit. And there's been lots of shade thrown at Bo Pelini. There's still a lot of Nebraska fans that aren't aren't Bo people. Uh, I thought Bo did a hell of a good job here. I've always kind of been in that camp. And I think his defense, when kids understand it and are comfortable in it, is deadly. I think it's a phenomenal defense. Now, uh, let's, let's be real about the, the timeline of getting things down and getting your your feet wet in it versus knowing how to run it and, and playing confident. And Coach McBride touched on that with, you know, kids are thinking too much and you got to simplify it a little bit. That was the order today by Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron uh, had his press conference and Coach O first and foremost took responsibility and if I could do an, an Ed Orgeron imitation, I absolutely would because I love sounding like Cookie Monster uh, had too much meth and his vocal cords were, were fried. <laughs> Go Tigers. Go Tigers. 96 points in three games, and it's been pinata time for Bo. And not only did LSU, LSU lose another one, but it's who they lost to, and that's Missouri. And, you know, that had to be a, a special kicking the junk to Bo because of his feelings towards Missouri after so many years up here. But 45-41, and you've got uh, Pellini, the former guy at Nebraska, and, of course, at Youngstown, and Dave Aranda doing his thing at Baylor. But Orgeron said this in his presser today, I'd rather play one defense and get it right. And 
Orgeron said, look, I'm not going to single out players. But Orgeron repeatedly said the responsibility lies with the coaching staff. We're going to get it fixed. As coaches, we have to clean stuff up. That starts with me. And he said that coaches need to do a better job of putting players in position to make plays. So when he hired Bo, Orgeron said that he thinks this could be the best defense LSU has had or he has had. And that's including replacing all those dudes that went to the NFL last year on the defensive side of the ball. And Orgeron acknowledged that. He's like, look, I still believe that our defense can be good. And he's taking criticism for that. And and he believes in Bo. He just wants things simplified. And uh, we'll see if it can happen. You got Florida on deck. That's going to be, it's not Florida from the, Mushamp days. This is Florida that's averaging 42 a contest, right? And they've got Pitts and they've got Trask and they've got Mullen. And uh, the reality is this you've got Bo's system that is very difficult to learn. It's very difficult to perform at a high level. And it's really tough to do that in just three games. Who knows how much was going on? because there really wasn't a preseason. And I think this will be a good challenge for Bo to simplify. And I I don't know how much simplification went on other than Randy Gregory and, and, and company going to, to Pooch uh, against Northwestern in the Hail Mary game in 2013, saying, guys, let's just run base and make it work out of that. Because with Bo's defense... If you can do it and you can match up zone it and you got the peso going and you've got Bo's going to have personnel like he had his first few years at Nebraska defensively and his last couple of years at Nebraska, the last couple of years at Nebraska defensively in that front seven. And, and, and if you get him a dude like Prince and, and Fonzie and Haig and Gomes and Sue and Craig, I mean, he had some amazing players, but. Both those things were perfect fits. Square peg, square hole, all right? When you get it right, it's phenomenal. Right now, it's a learning curve, and guys are, are second-guessing. Bo's going to have to teach. He's going to have to say, that a boy, let's let's get better together. And I don't think that, that's, that he can't. He's now just working for somebody who's telling him what to do with his defense and that hasn't happened for a long time. He'll figure it out. They'll be better. They'll be really probably pretty good next year. But people who loved Bo are now in line to kick him in the face yet again because of how uh, much of an issue the defense has been this year. And, and the thing about just defense in general, as we've heard it at Nebraska the past couple of years, is, is the key is not knowing what you got to do. The key is being able to do what you got to do fast. It's all about reading and reacting. And whenever you're coming in and learning a new defense, it's 100% new keys, new run fits. And uh, I remember back to this interview with How about just tackling? I mean, just being able to tackle some dude in space because everyone's spreading out. But I think back to this uh, this interview with Levante David where he said when when they came in on the the recruiting visit to recruit Mm -hmm. Levante, all Bo did was he got a whiteboard and just drew up defenses because Levante was a Juco guy. He said, you're going to have to come in and play immediately. You got to know this stuff. And he drew some complex defenses because Bo's got some complex schemes. Those LSU guys have got to throw out what they learned last year, remember what they learned, or 
take what they learned mm-hmm. this year and be able to play fast. But I'd also like to put out there that LSU had the ball with four chances inside the five-yard line to go win that game. Should Bo Pelini's defense allow 45 points? No. But when you're LSU down four with four chances inside the five-yard line, you got to punch that thing in. You do. And the other side of that, though, is <laughs> you've scored 41 points already. Get a bleeping stop. Okay? Because Missouri's got a new head coach. They've got a new offense. Missouri's always had some pretty talented guys. Okay? But the reality is uh, you win and you lose as a team. But I think college football, aside from Clemson and probably Ohio State, even Bama, because Bama's had to reload this year, and they are giving up a ton, a ton of points. I mean, for reference, though, Missouri only scored 12 points against the Tennessee Volunteers. I know. 12. But they found their sweet spot, and don't kid yourself, people have been checking out the old pirate film and going to town, and... Kentucky's a whole different animal defensively where they held <laughs> held held Mississippi State to two. But no, I think I think Bo Bo wants to be a head coach again, all right. And his reputation is taking a a punch to the face with just what's going on. It doesn't matter. And I, I would say this if Aranda was there still running their old defense and it wasn't a new system it'd be, it'd be better okay despite the lack of tackling and contact it'd be better because it was familiar this is unfamiliar guys gotta learn Bo's gotta chop it down a little bit and even with Levante to your point when we talked to him they let him go make mistakes because he was so fast and so dominant um, he was able to recover and still make a play. We'll wind down on Monday next on Hale Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Monday, Rick Pizzo, Mitch Sherman, Scott Frost comments tomorrow. We're gearing up towards uh, football finally in the Big Ten. A reminder about buckling up. There's 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable. And law enforcement officers working every day to stop before more people are killed or injured. If you drive, don't drink. And if you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. Get a ride. A DUI cost more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. I just got the text from Junior. Apparently, he has basketball practice starting this week. So it's the dreaded, uh, yeah, my feet have gotten big. Uh, need some basketball shoes. What's this little monkey going to shake me down for? What am I going to drop for basketball shoes tonight? At least 100 bucks. Oh, easy. Yeah. Can I keep it below two is the question. You should be able to keep it below two. Yeah? If you're going more than two, I mean, I know he's, he's, the, he's the, the sneakerhead. He changed, he traded all of his shoes for some white pair of 180 air type looking things that are, I think he's trying to sell them for like $1,300. He could do it. He's, he's working on it. I mean, he traded his, his Sparty colored uh, Air Jordan 1s. He traded in his Yeezys. He traded in his other Adidas. So these shoes, and I, I don't know what they're exactly called, but 
some dude went to our front door and they made the switch, man. <laughs> and, and and he's got his shoes and he's wearing Vans right now. Should tell him to play freaking ball in his Vans. Nah, that, that, that's that's just a, an, a sprained ankle waiting to happen. <laughs> You've seen him play lateral defense? It's <laughs> no. going to happen anyway. <laughs> Oh, man. Bless his heart, but he's a Schmidt, which means his lateral foot speed sucks. It's going to take a shock collar and a pit bull to get him to improve his side to side. Huh, I'm trying to think of drills you could, you could do to help that. You get like I, I know. Firearms. <laughs> where, where, what, which park would you be doing that at? Somewhere outside the city limits. <laughs> Just in some field somewhere. Well, I judge Schmidt. You got the show today. Why? I'm in the can. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, I I don't know if he's going to go with, if he's going to go LeBron's, if he's going to go KD's. What's even out there? Does Harden, he's a big Adidas guy, so. Harden does have his shoes. My my roommate has a pair of Harden's for whenever we go play, but the, he never wears them because he feels like he's like disgracing Harden when he wears them. Right. The boost thing, I mean, mm. those are super comfortable. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I was always an Adidas guy because back when I played basketball years and years ago now, they had the uh, the Audi Zeros, which came out, which is super light and which helped a fat guy like me. Well, I don't as I say, they, the, <laughs> you needed the cushion. You needed that, that extra sole for the, for the, for the Husky kid playing oh, yeah. down low. Uh, and whenever they were extra light, too, that was nice because then my legs aren't getting sore. Man, the, the best basketball shoes I ever had, and you want to talk about disgracing them, it's the worst basketball player God ever created. And I had the Barclays that were the 180 Air on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Those were sweet. And then the, uh, I think the Air Flight Lights or Maestros. Mm. You got to Google. You're like, I haven't heard of these. No. They were super awesome. They're good. Okay. I'd even chip in for some of those retro-wise for him. That would be cool. Have him play out in some, some retro shoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd, he'd, I'm for that. He's, he's a snob. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. Thanks for tuning in.